Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting network. And give us a rating and review, as always. It continue to help us grow by sending the links to a friend this week. Because we are smack dab in the middle of an awesome series of position group breakdowns. Getting you prepared for football season. And we give you all kinds of cool stuff each week of the goings-on in the herd universe. And we got a lot more of that this week. Position group breakdowns continue, and we're going to be talking about the secondary. Russ has got five more things that every herd fan needs to know this week, brought to you by Ignite Link. But before we get into all that, let's get a quick word from our sponsors, 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Jason and Matt are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who practice throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. They can't protect you from bad drivers, but they will make sure you're treated fairly by the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, a busy week. Uh, we got some, I don't want to give too much of a preview about what we're talking about. I mentioned about the position group breakdowns, and I want to go straight into the five things because some of the things I want to talk about are these five things. So give me five things every herd fan needs to know this week. As usual, these are brought to you by Nightlink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, KD, stop me if you've heard this before. We're <laughs> gonna we're gonna talk about an academic excellence here. And it's a what? What is it? <laughs> I'm just going to start going. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Differentiator podcast brought to you by the Thundercast. <laughs> it's a differentiator, as KD has coined. <laughs> the women's golf team ranks seventh in the nation in GPA. Three Holy point, moly. 3.85. Wow. Seven yeah. top 10. I mean, when's the last time the herd was top 10 in something? It's been a long, long time. I mean, yes. in, a major, in a major ranking. Let's put it that way. Earlier today. that's true now this is amazing stuff right we keep hearing about all these academic accolades and conference you know scholars and and you know uh, dean's list type stuff and commissioner's honor roll but this is in a different kind of um category you know Mm -hmm. we we've we've even talked about academic all-americans and academic all-region and the swim and dive team was crushing it and now it's women's golf I mean, seventh in the nation in overall GPA. That's just cool. I don't care, you know, what, what you're talking about. That's cool, man. That's, that's yeah. a really cool uh, asterisk to have there, a really cool notch in the belt. Like, whatever you want to say, that's just neat. That's, a, that's, that's getting it done. Yeah, and they have been one of those programs that we have mentioned over and over about academics and everything. Obviously, if they're seventh in the nation, they're going to be when we're talking about best in the Sun Belt, or, or I'm sorry, Conference USA, that sort of thing. But seventh in the nation of anything like you just mentioned, think of how many different women's golf uh, programs there are 
in Division One, and I don't know that off the top of my head. I would like to think there's easily a hundred. I'm sure yeah. there's probably more, but I don't care if it's 25. If you're in the top seven, that's great. Yeah, and they're doing way more than 25. I can guarantee that. You know, and I think a lot of folks tend to forget because they you lump everything in and you think in terms of football to where there's 130 FBS teams, but, you know, and then there's FCS teams and all that other kind of stuff. But when you really think about Division One, it's like 320-some teams. you got to think more in terms of basketball, not football. So Division One is very, very big. So let's just say, you know, there are – a third or half half of the division one teams have a golf team a ladies golf team that's 150 schools 160 schools so to be in the top five percent of that number even if it's just half of 300 and some that's amazing so congratulations to those gals uh continuing to get work done in the classroom I mean, I just like to start the show off this way this is just a cool way to get things going each week and each week it seems like it's another kick-ass academic accolade so i'm just that's a, just a great way to start things off yeah um number two ryan leach was drafted by the phillies uh in i think it was over the weekend saturday was that when the i think it was saturday of last week was when the draft was um that's when it started he wasn't necessarily drafted on on day one of course but the the draft started don't really know that i expected anybody from marshall to get drafted ryan is a uh, junior last year and a catcher hit 307 just great anytime that you're seeing anyone from marshall get drafted professionally great accolade for the herd maybe put some shine on our program yeah i mean what are we going to talk about when we talk about sunbelt baseball it's a different animal you know we've talked about that a lot and you know, Marshall's going to come in and have some have their work cut out for them. Uh, they're not quite on the level competitively as some of these other teams, but we're still putting guys in the pros. And we might not be doing it, you know, every single year or multiple guys every single year, but we're still doing it. And uh, this this is pretty cool. I'm like, I'm with you. I didn't think that I would necessarily see anybody get the call, but, you know, uh, Leach gets the call. Um, you mentioned batted 307 last year, 66 hits was second on the team behind only Luke Edwards, um, 43 RBI, also second on the team. So, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a knack for getting on base, uh, has a little bit of power behind him too. 12 home home runs in 53 games last year. So, uh, it's one of those things like you can't really have enough catchers, right? I mean, it's a, it's a real super important position it's like not having enough pitchers you can never really have enough pitchers and catchers so look around the major leagues and look at the batting average homers rbis the traditional triple crown stats of catchers and you will see that right now if you can hit 250 and above you're near our all-star level it's more about leadership defense uh throwing people out that sort of thing but if you have a catcher that can hit most likely you can find a, a roster spot for them. Yeah, I think I think that's very much in line with what I think, too. It's, it's a lot about um, seeing things, literally seeing things from a different perspective because everybody basically has the same-ish view of a baseball field except the catcher. He's seeing everything else the other way. 
So it's very much about leadership. It's it's very much about um, seeing how you can uh, communicate with your teammates to make make the game better for your team. So you're right. If you can bat 250, which he's doing, if you can find a way to reach base, if you can, you know, be accurate at throwing out stealing runners, which was always my favorite part of the game, by the way, you can find a spot on a roster. So congratulations. And uh, I hope it's a long, long career in the majors. Yeah, same here. Uh, I'm going to be trying to follow him uh, in his route to the majors, you know, wherever it is in the Phillies uh, program that they're, they're going to put him. And uh, it's always fun to have a professional athlete from Marshall to root for, to follow, to track. Really looking forward to it as a baseball fan. And I just got the sweet baseball jersey at the equipment sale. Now, <laughs> one more reason to, to wear it. I've got one on right now. That is true. <laughs> I, I came this close to wearing mine tonight too, and I and I know we, you know, nobody can see this. We didn't talk about that or anything. It just almost happened. I'm not wearing it. I'm for some odd reason wearing blue, but it is what it is. For those of you that can't see it at home, I'm wearing the one that is perforated. Uh, more looks like a batting practice jersey. You know, only has two buttons right by the neck hole. But in the feels like 104 degree temperature that I was in today outside, I said, I'm wearing this uh, perforated jersey. <laughs> All right. Number four, former volleyball player Kelly Ann Billingy to be inducted in the Conference USA Hall of Fame. Now, before I say anything more, I would just like to say that I thought we were done with Conference USA and would never have to mention them. But at least it's if we're going to have to, it's something very cool and awesome like this. I mean, it's kind. Of, well, I don't know if we're completely totally done, right? Because we we're could not. have we could have more athletes in years to come that played in the Conference USA. I mean, I, I can't. I don't know if uh, like Rakeem Cato is in yet. But wouldn't you imagine that at some point Rakeem Cato will be a Conference USA Hall of Famer? Yes, and that was the point I was going to make. She graduated in 2007. It's been 15 years, more yeah. or less. You're seeing College Hall of Fame happen, you know, in that kind of time frame after careers are over with, that sort of thing. So, yes, we'll be talking about them in the future. It just did not pop into my head until this happened. Yeah. And and now I'm bummed because I have to give Judy some more uh, more shine for her conference. Not, not really, because I'm sure she had absolutely nothing to do with these votes uh, whatsoever. Does but she to, does she know that they have a volleyball program in, I don't know. in Conference she, USA? I don't know. Does she know she runs a conference? Yeah. I mean, but uh, no, I mean, let's get back on track with the, <laughs> the, the actual congratulations at hand. Absolutely. Um, Kellyanne Billingley, like anytime you can get a um, athlete of any sport into a conference hall of fame, uh, it's a big deal, you know, and, and it shows you had an impact not only at your school, but you had an impact on the conference as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it, it, we fully believe we'll see more martial athletes in the Conference USA Hall of Fame because, you know, all these conferences love to latch on to what they have, right? Like the MAC will still talk about Moss and Pennington and them, and, and rightfully so. They're generational players. And, uh, hopefully we'll see that same sort of thing, 
uh, with Conference USA and uh, Ms. Billingley and, and any future Marshall athletes that are um, inducted into the Hall of Fame. But this is awesome, too. I mean, like three for three, we're nailing it here on the five things. You got an academic, a pro athlete, and now a Hall of Famer. I mean, this is a really star-studded five things so far. Yeah, and when you said that, I realized I said number four. I skipped one by accident. This is the third thing of five. Uh, let me give you a little bit of stats for everyone here. By the time she graduated, she was Marshall's all-time leader in kills with 2,481 kills per set at 5.15. She was number two all-time in services aces with 192 and hitting percentage at 0.338 four-time American Volleyball Coaches Association All-American and four-time winner of the AVCA All Midwest Region Honors also garnered AVCA All Midwest Region Freshman of the Year in 2004 and National Player of the Week in 2005 I wow. think that's I think that's Hall of Fame worthy I think so when you're <laughs> when you start saying number one all-time number one all-time yeah, yeah. And, and these records are now edging close to, you know, 20 years old, right? So it's it's not just like, oh, that was great for the time, but now those have all been surpassed. No, this is like stood the test of time so far. Well, I don't know that to be a fact. I, uh, oh, you mean at the time? It said at the time. I, okay. would have, I would have to look into Marshall's record books to see if she is still that all-time leader and second in the other stats. It doesn't make that clear. Uh, so just to be safe, let's say at the time she was really killing it. <laughs> but um, bum <laughs> you know, kills and kills per set. <laughs> Whoo! Think we are podcasters and not stand-up comedians. <laughs> anyway, now let's actually do number four. Uh, if I learn to count. Marshall had some news that they kind of streamlined a process to where now with some reorganization, the Marshall Athletic Program uh, in conjunction with Marshall Health and School of Medicine, they're actually going to be underneath the School of Medicine with Dr. Jasko, the team's physician, uh, leading that. Yeah, this is um, a really nice transitional thing right because it 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 keeps things even more so in-house and provides a greater concentration of care that we can give to our athletes without uh well i won't say without external factors but with far fewer external factors involved and um what it does to me is allow us to act in a near 100%, if not a 100% capacity in what is absolutely in the best interest of our athletes. Yeah. Not, not just like, well, we hope we can get this covered. So we'll have to wait and see. This should cut out a lot of that wait and see. We can yeah. just take care of things. The way it, it reads to me is it's near autonomous that right. they, they will be able to make decisions based on, Jasco signing off on it, the athletic trainers being able to provide the care that is needed. You don't have to worry about going to this approval, that approval, anyone that's had any kind of injury or care medically where you have to get approval from this and then it goes to that person, then back to here and then it gets declined and then it goes back to the original person. 
this should streamline a lot of that and put the care of our student athletes front and center. Yeah. And, and if you read the article, which I recommend that you do, because it's not like filled with technical jargon and all this kind of stuff that the average folks aren't going to be able to understand. It's, it, it's very cut and dry. So if you read the article, it might take you five minutes or so to get through it. And you'll have a greater understanding of what is happening here. And just some of the terms that I'm going to pull from it to help you understand um, where they're going with this, just a couple of lines from this article. It says, under the independent med medical model of care, medical providers are capable of practicing, quote, patient-centered care, which refers to care that is solely focused on the needs of the patient, which is the gold standard for medical care. And in a collegiate athletics environment, that partnership between the three entities creates an environment for, quote, athletic-centered medicine, which maximizes the opportunity for med quality medical care student athlete health and well-being and if that doesn't sum it up i don't know how better to do that and that's exactly what you want you want patient-centered care that is 100 focused on the well-being of our athletes it would be great if it was that same way for all health care yeah everybody it, else. you know like when when i go to get an mri that they don't say well insurance automatically declines at the first two times so yeah. Six, six months from now, you'll be able to get your MRI. It'd be great. In the, if, yeah. In the be meantime, great if, I'm still in pain over here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, number five, our fifth and final thing Sunbelt Media Day. Uh, the East Division is going to be Tuesday on the 26th. Of course, that includes Marshall. And when we go down there, we're going to be taking a, an entire crew. But two of the people will be Rasheen Ali and Eli Neal. And a little birdie told me that when the videos and photos come out, you'll see them in some custom designed tailored suits by Tony the Tailor. Uh, I, first of all, I love that, right? Because for as long as I can remember, it's been polos and yeah. slacks or polos and jeans, you know, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's what that's if I've got a dress quote up. That's what I put on, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, that's a cool thing, man. I like this. This is very much to me like, okay, this is a business trip and we're going to look the freaking part. Yep. You know, we're, we're not coming in here just to take it casual and chill. We're here on business and uh, we're going to leave an impact and leave a mark and uh, show the Sunbelt that we are here and we are going to be taken seriously. And if you're going to, you know, if you dress the part, that all the better. Uh, I know in, in years past, it's been, you mentioned this to me pre-show and I'm just want to cover it. We've taken, I don't want to say a skeleton crew, but it's been a minimal amount of folks. It's a handful yeah. of people to go, you know, a couple of player representatives, coach, and, you know, maybe at the time, the sports information director, you know, maybe let's say, uh, and I know this year it's going to be, um, a few more people for mm -hmm. some projects potentially down the road or things that we, you know, just the way that the, uh, we consume our information has evolved. It lends itself to that a little bit, but I'm just glad to see that we're, we're not doing it. This is another example of not doing the same old, same old. Yeah. And that to me is so freaking refreshing. It's going to be heavily documented. Some of the videos that we've been praising and online has been getting a lot of shares the uh, videographer that has done a lot of that stuff is going on this trip. So there will be some nice documentation that you'll see on social media, on herd zone, that sort of thing. It's just always great to see when we can't be there for such a, such an event, 
especially for the behind the scenes kind of stuff, uh, the making of, as it were, it would be nice to see that. Now, yeah, I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want to see these dudes in their custom suits climbing off the plane, right? That's oh yeah, I mean, that's that's what I want to see. I don't, I mean, I want to see them set, you know, taking the interview questions and all that kind of stuff too. But I mean, like. I want to see like the 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 sharp dressed man and the sunglasses climbing off the plane with like Ric Flair custom made from head to toe. You know, that's what, like- I, was, that's what I was getting ready to say. The <laughs> horseman coming off the plane. Um, yeah. And for, you know, I said it'd be nice because we can't see this. Well, for the part of the actual press conferences, we can. It will be on ESPN plus or watch ESPN tune in on that you can find more on sun sunbelt's uh website i'm sure there'll be a link you know herd zone will probably put something out the day of or the day before but definitely you can click and watch that or watch it on tv or whatever but it it would be nice to watch this see our representatives hear what they have to say it's the start of a new era in the sunbelt and this will kind of kick it off really yeah, absolutely. And it, it this is just another one of those little perks that you probably didn't think about with having a partnership with ESPN. It's things like this that will be broadcast on, on a platform. Now, it's ESPN Plus. I have ESPN Plus, you know, because my wife has the dag on Disney Bundle. And so I, I just get the perks of having ESPN with that. So uh so i'll get to tune in and watch it and i'm also i always look forward to stuff like that i don't know why it's not like they're going to be breaking any news or they're going to let stuff slip out of the bag that you know uh we haven't heard before potentially but it's still cool because it's it's like the the kickoff of of the upcoming year you know it's like we've shifted gears a little bit we've gone from first to second and then when spring or summer session football kicks up, you know, we're going to go from second to third. And it, it, you just see how it starts to rev a little bit. And I like I'm going to throw in one of your favorite references of all time. And then when you come into week one, you're a race car in the red. And that's and you don't want to be a you don't want to. How do you say it for me? I'm just saying you don't want to have a race car in the red because <laughs> they could blow. <laughs> I love that, man. I, I just love that. Uh, what? How are we going to close this bad boy out? Well, that's it. That's another five things. Oh. We we uh, have been able to bring these to you every week from Ignite Link. And again, we have so much more right on the cusp of being able to tell you about it. So, yep. More another, another week of details have been ironed out. Another week's worth of details are left to be ironed out, but... We are making strides. Let me tell you, it's not just baby steps. It is now strides. And sooner rather than later, we're going to start divulging some um, some super cool stuff. And I'd just like to point out the last thing here is that I also can't count because I thought we had another thing to talk about. So, hey, we're in this together. Gosh, if we're not mirror images of one another, I don't know what is. But that fifth thing was another perfect segue into our featured story again. The series of position group breakdowns is continuing this week, and I mentioned in the lead-in that it is the secondaries week to be discussed. And much like the receivers slash tight ends, in some capacities we'll talk about the groups individually, and in others we'll talk about them as a secondary unit. Um, So let's start with that. Tied for first, according to Phil Still, in the Sun Belt this season is the Marshall Secondary with App State and Louisiana. Uh, I don't think that's any coincidence that three of the top three teams in the entire conference also have 
three of the finest secondaries in the conference. Heard ranking number 37 nationally on Phil Stills' rankings. And I might add that all three of those Sunbelt teams that I just mentioned are all in the top 50 in the country. Pretty impressive. Um, coached by a couple of our coaches, uh, Chevis Jackson, first-year head coach, come over from Kansas, will be coaching the corners. We mentioned that in the uh, coaches' breakdown. And the safeties is coached also by defensive coordinator Lance Guidry. A uh, number of returning Secondary players, I'll break these down by corner and by safety, from the 2021 roster, carried over five corners this year, and we carried over three safeties this year. 2022 recruits in the signing class available on 24-7 Sports. Um, those There were more than what I'm saying here, but some aren't listed currently on the roster. We'll see if that changes. But two corners, two safeties, and transfer portal in no corners, and two safeties. Departing from 2021, holy moly. Uh, this is a series of uh, being drafted, exhausting eligibility, transferring out, or just we don't know. They're just not on the roster for 2022. This is a lot of people. Uh, we haven't covered a position group that's had this many people. So departing from the safety position first, followed by the corners. Safeties, of course, Nazi Johnson, drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in the seventh round of this past NFL draft. Brandon Drayton, Corey McCoy, Naquan Reynolds, Josh Hardiman, JoJo Evans, Jeremiah McClendon, Charles Bell, and Kylan Roach, all departing from the safety position in some capacity. And then corners, Lee Anthony Williams, Chancellor Bright, and Sadiq McNeil. That is a lot of guys out of the secondary in one year. So what do you do? You recruit the position fairly heavily, and you hit the portal for instant help. And that's exactly what we did. Now, with all of the guys that departed, and there were some great ones, man, some, some, uh, an all-timer in there and a couple of guys who made real impacts in their martial career are departed. Despite that, We've got some promising athletes that do return, and namely starting with those two projected starters at corner, Stephen Gilmore and Micah Abraham, both all-conference USA performers in 2021. And if I'm not mistaken, Gilmore was also a conference all-conference USA performer in 2020. So let's start with Mr. Gilmore, shall we? Six foot two, 169 pound senior, second team all conference USA last year, number 43 on Phil Stills draft eligible cornerbacks for 2022. Uh, the eighth leading tackler for Marshall last year with a stat line reads 52 total tackles, 31 of those were solo, had a sack and three interceptions, which led the team last year, eight pass breakups, which was second on the team last year in 13 games. This is the year where Stephen Gilmore solidifies himself as an absolute lockdown corner. He's been edging that way since he was a freshman, took some lumps, uh, got better as a sophomore, even better as a junior, and now here we are as a senior, and this is where he locks it down, right? Um, you don't have to go too much farther back to see whose career this really, really mirrors, and it's a guy by the name of Chris Jackson that plays for the Tennessee Titans now. Took a lot of lumps as a true freshman. They threw him in there and threw him to the Wolves, basically, just to see what he could do. And he played really well. Uh, but he gave up some plays, as freshmen will do. But every year, 
Gilmore, just as Chris Jackson did, got better and better and better as a perennial all-conference USA player and now finds himself in the NFL. I expect the same for Stephen Gilmore. He could potentially be the finest corner in the Sun Belt at the end of the season. He's got to be on a short list of them heading into the season right now. Uh, cornerback Micah Abraham, six foot two, 175 pound red shirt junior, also second team all conference USA last year. Stat line reads 33 total tackles last year, 26 of those were solo tackles, had one interception and 14 pass breakups, which led conference USA last year in 13 games. Uh, Micah Abraham to me is a true cover corner guy. I mean, he is absolutely gangbusters when it comes to pass coverage. Jumped on my radar all the way back in the Gasparilla Bowl when the herd took on UCF when he had that 75-yard pick six when we really didn't have much going. You know, if, if you'll recall that game, UCF came out and just went up on us really quickly, and we were having absolutely no fun. At least I wasn't in the stands. <laughs> and then here comes freshman Micah Abraham at the time and takes one 75 yards the other way all the way to the house. And I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. Who's this guy? And he, again, developed a little bit the next year, got a little bit better, a little bit better, and kind of got lost in the depth chart a little bit. And then here he is emerging last year as another, as a true weapon again. And I expect uh, the same as a red shirt junior. I think he takes the leap this year. And Marshall has really, really solid one, two corners to where they eliminate a lot of the field from a coverage standpoint. I really, really like what we have at potential starters at the cornerback position. Let's talk about a few big-time contributors that are going to have to make an impact in some way. Not a lot of stats here. I will grant you that. But some guys have played in some games, and we're going to have to have some guys just take a step. That's just There's no easy way to say it. They're going to have to take a step. Uh, Perhaps the most seasoned big-time contributor that we need this year is Joshua Bowers, six-foot-two, 182-pound redshirt senior. He's been around. He's made some plays. He's played in a lot of ball games for the herd, and he does have some production from 2021. 18 total tackles last year, nine of those solo, and one tackle for loss in 12 games. So he played in all but one game last year in reserve duty. Now he's going to have to play a much bigger role this year because he's been around and it's just his time to step up and make that leap. Um, Daytuan Smith, the six foot three, 182 pound redshirt sophomore, seven tackles last year, four of those solo and one and a half tackles for loss, but he only appeared in five games. This is a, another guy that you're going to have to see play in that go from that five games last year to probably potentially 12 or 13 games this year. He's just going to have to, step it up uh, and I'm I don't I don't say that in a meaning that like uh, they haven't done it or can't do it it's just like it's just time for it it's their time to shine you know and as a as a player you you pay your dues and you wait your time for this moment and now it's your time to shine now it's up to you to do with uh, that time what you will last big time contributor that uh, I'm going to mention that we're I'm putting him in as a big-time contributor because he's not a freshman. He's a redshirt junior, and you're going to have to be a contributor. So that's Joshua McTeer, the 5'11", 160-pound redshirt junior. No stats from 2021. So that tells you in and of itself, you've got a role to play. You're going to have to play some roles. You're going to have to make some plays when your number's called. Uh, Instant impact freshman. This is where it gets fun. 
listed as a safety currently on the 2022 roster. And remember, we're talking about corners right now. Um, listed as a safety, but I don't care. I think he's going to end up playing maybe 50-50 in some time. Maybe he's not, you know, maybe. Um, Jacoby Henderson. I mean, the, we've talked about the guy many, many times on many, many episodes, especially when we were doing spring ball breakdown. Five foot ten, one hundred and eighty-seven pound freshman from Fort Mill, South Carolina. We talked about it during the Green and White game in the spring practices. Like he was going toe to toe with the Corey Gamages and the, and the um, Talit Keatons and holding his own. And if he can cover those guys, he can play corner for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, safety it, at from what I feel like for him would be just like go out and have fun because I can get to go do go wherever I need to be instead of having necessarily a, a, a responsibility to lock down this one guy, so to speak. But I fully think he can be an impact, instant impact freshman at corner and at safety. But I'm just going to mention him now in the corner section. Uh, former three star prospect on the um and he was not super overly heavily recruited which is so surprising because i think he when it's all said and done at the end of the season he may be you know the most uh, important most valuable freshman at a given position group based on need and based on uh depth and and certain things so uh next instant impact freshman we're going to talk about is uh do you hear Cooper out there? I'm just, I hate to say it. he's, he's laughing his butt off outside my door. And I don't know if you hear it, but his cackling is cracking me up. Uh, Dane Miller, five foot 11, 160 pound freshman. I say this with, uh, by saying that's his 24 seven height and weight. It's not listed on the herd zone roster. So of course, like some other guys we've mentioned, he could weigh more now, maybe he even put another inch on the frame. Uh, he's from Fairburn, Georgia. Former three-star player with a laundry list of offers. Go check the offer list. I'll rip off a few of these schools like I do usually when the when the uh, offer list is pretty freaking eye popping. Uh, Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, UNC, Oklahoma, yada 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 yada. On down the line, I mean, a lot of talented. Uh, a lot of big time programs wanted this talented kid and he ended up in Huntington. So two very, very big potential impact freshmen right out of the gate. So uh, I'm holding my breath a little bit there because uh, after all, at the end of the day, you're still freshmen, but I think these guys both could play a big role at corner by season's end for the herd. Let's talk about safeties real quick. Projected starters for the safe from the safety position. I'm going to go with, uh, two transfers, actually. Uh, Andre Sam, six foot one, one hundred and eighty pound senior. He's a transfer from McNeese State. He was first team All Southland Conference in twenty twenty one. One hundred and seventy nine total tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, half a sack, five interceptions, and a forced fumble in thirty career games at McNeese State. Um, that I mean, if you want to do the averages, I know you're good at that. Real quick, it's pretty even, really. You're looking at roughly six tackles a game. Um, somewhere around an interception every six games type of thing. So he, he has a nose for the ball. We know that. Um, but we're going to have to see probably a little bit more of uh, a tackles per game type thing this year. 
six is 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 decent, but you probably we're probably going to need to nudge that up around seven or eight, nine. Just historically, the past few years, Marshall safeties have averaged a lot of tackles. So uh, I hope we can get by with just six because that means the defensive line and the linebackers are hoarding all the tackles. <laughs> um, and then let's talk about Isaiah Norman, the six foot one, two hundred and twenty pound senior. He's the transfer from Austin P. Um, 148 total tackles, 98 of those solo tackles, six tackles for loss and three interceptions to go along with 15 pass breakups, one forced fumble and one fumble recovery in 46 career games at Austin P. So a lot of these guys, both of these guys have played a lot of football in their careers. Both of them are seniors. Both of them are um, those things that we talk about, you know, you've been in the weight room, all that kind of stuff. They've just played a lot of football, 76 games between the two guys. If anything, there probably hasn't been much they haven't seen. So that's got to be a plus when you're talking about breaking in two brand new safeties for the herd that have never played with each other on the same defense until this year. Big time contributors, Again, uh, because of all that we lost, there's just not a lot of stats here. Very, very few stats. Really, um, let me glance real quick. None. <laughs> so there's going to have to be some definite step step upage from the quote big time contributing safeties. Uh, let's start with EJ Jackson, six foot two, one hundred and seventy eight pound redshirt junior. Been around, knows the scheme. Just has it just been buried on the depth chart, right? Behind guys like Corey McCoy and and uh, Nazi Johnson, Brandon Drayton, and all these other guys we just lifted listed. So again, this is these guys' time to potentially shine. Uh Carrion Martin, a six foot two, two hundred and thirteen pound redshirt sophomore, West Virginia high school football fans definitely remember Carrion Martin. He had a decorated career at Capitol High School in Charleston. I uh, came to the herd a couple of years ago and now. He has, again, just like Mr. Jackson, paid his dues and at his time to potentially shine. And we'll see what he does with those opportunities. I, I've got to cut in just for a second. I've got yeah. EJ Jackson playing 13 games, 56 tackles, 38 solo. Really? One and a half tackles for loss. Maybe, let me, maybe I for, I'm sorry if I forgot to write it down. Where is that? Where is that? Oh, you're right. I just forgot to write it down. My apologies, Mr. Jackson. There yeah. it is. He was the one, two, three, Six. four, five, sixth leading tackler last year. Yeah. I just, you know what? I wrote his height and weight and just went right on down to carry on Martin. So let me go over that again. EJ Jackson, you're right. 56 total tackles, 38 of those solo, uh, one quarterback hurry and a forced fumble. So yeah, the stats are there. My apologies. Um, that makes me feel a hell of a lot better about what we have at safety, to be honest with you. I thought it was two transfers and some question marks, and now I feel exponentially better about where we stand at the safety position from a depth standpoint. But look, we can't go too much farther without talking about potential big-time contributors because we get to talk about Jadarius Green McKnight, the redshirt freshman transfer from Florida State University. It's just one tackle in two games in 2021 for the Seminoles, but he's a former four-star safety, the number 25 safety nationally in the class of 2019. So um, there is a potential there for 
immediate impact. And the only reason I didn't list him as an instant impact freshman is because he's a redshirt freshman. So we're really cutting, splitting hairs here. Um, he could have easily gone in that category as well, but I didn't put him there. Last guy we're going to talk about as a guy as uh, for a potential big time contributor is Jaden Johnson, a six foot two, 211 pound sophomore and local fans will know him because he had a great career at Cabell Midland high school. So uh, there's a, a four pack of dudes, uh, one of which I just totally blanked on for the stats. So good job, KD. Excellent preparation as always. But um, moving on, let's talk about a couple of instant impact freshmen. Gabriel Grubbs, six foot, 188 pound freshman from Dallas, Texas, a former three star player from um, out of the state of Texas who had offers from Arizona, Army, and Air Force. So uh, big time. Recruiting done by the service academies on Gabriel Grubbs. Uh, I often wonder how we get guys from the state of Texas, but we've gotten more of them lately uh, than we've had, it seems like, in years, you know, and, and that's just always wild to me. Uh, and the last guy we'll talk about is A.G. McGee, the five foot nine, 175 pound freshman from Chipley, Florida, uh, also former three star safety, uh, recruited by Army and a handful of FCS schools. So um, I don't know how these guys will work into the depth chart, but as far as instant impact goes, those are your two freshmen that have the um, potential ability to make an impact. Russ, what do you got for some strengths for the overall secondary unit? Potential is the first strength that comes to mind, and a lot of that is the – stats from our transfers but also their intangibles um the speed the the height our lockdown corners i think are going to anchor that that are returning so without getting into something that i'll talk in the future right now i just want to talk about the potential of this group for my first strength uh if they can hit that potential we're going to have an excellent defensive backfield i mean my first strength is that experience at corner yeah it's a super huge strength those starters at corner micah abraham and and stephen gilmore have played so much football for marshall and they've faced some phenomenal receivers in uh conference usa we all know that you know for better or worse conference usa is a pass happy league Right. And that lends itself to having great receivers. And they've they've more than held their own against those guys. Otherwise, you're just not an all-conference corner. If if you're getting torched by you know run-of-the-mill receivers, then you're not going to garner those accolades. And both of these guys are garnering those accolades. Now, when you couple that with the potential impact freshman that we think, or I think, but will have a um large large contribution at the corner position, mainly Jacoby Henderson, but also Miller. Um, I think we go from, you know, two corners, two lockdowns to potentially a third that comes from the freshman uh, category by the end of the season. I feel really good about our corners, and I haven't felt really, really good about our corners in a long time. I've always felt okay, but now I feel, re I feel really good about them going in this year. So what's your next strength for the secondary unit? size when you're talking about 
six foot one, six foot one, six foot two, six foot one. Think about a few years ago, and we talked about this earlier on a, a different episode, but you're seeing 5'10", 5'11". We're getting guys that you traditionally now would think about in that wide receiver. Man, I hope I have a six foot two wide receiver. That's yep. your that's your safety. That's your cornerback. We're not talking about getting beat on jump balls, possibly. Uh, that size again. I cannot beat this horse until it's dead enough. Huff said, "I'm going to upgrade." It's a certain size that we're going to recruit. It's a certain size that we're going to look for for transfers, and he has done that here. With some, we're already on the roster, but he has also added to it, and we have that height and size now. We are not undersized at all in our defensive backfield. Yeah, that's actually my number two strength as well. It's the size of the group, and the four guys that I listed as potential starters go 6'2", 6'2", 6'1", 6'1". Yeah. Right? And, and, the, and the caveat to that is the freshman that I'm really high on, Jacoby Henderson, clocks in at 5'10", but we've already heard about him going toe to toe with six foot four Corey Gamage. Yeah. So you know, like the, the, obviously he's got the skill set to make up for what he lacks, you know, in three inches worth of height. So I'll take that too, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the overall size. You're right. Now you mentioned that some of these guys were already here, and they were. But Huff could have easily let that turn into a detriment because these guys aren't going to be on the roster next year. You know, or Abraham could be. But you could have gone out and recruited, you know, a bunch of five foot eight, five foot nine guys, and been in the been on the negative side of that uh, height requirement from a secondary standpoint. And he hasn't done that. He's gone and found guys that can play that are also tall. So, kudos to him for keeping with the strength that we had there. Uh, what do you got for a final strength if you have one? My final was your first was the ability of two potential shutdown corners if you have one shutdown corner that's really really good if you have two that could do that that's going to make it a lot easier for those safeties to come over the top double team that sort of thing because i it it just you know we talked about this before of how that can disrupt maybe they don't throw to that side of the field because stephen gilmore is over there it just changes the game It changes how the offense has the game plan. They're always going to be thinking in the reverse of how we were talking last week about receivers and who they're going to have. And will our fifth defensive back be as good as their fifth wide receiver? I think overwhelmingly so. Yeah. Uh, So we're, we're going to have um, the ability with these two seasoned, the stats do not lie performers at cornerback is going to make it infinitely easier on our defensive line uh our linebackers and our safeties it's just going to improve all facets of the defense once you start talking about that that's not really actually that's really something i didn't think about but you're right i use that term on it from or that um analogy from an offensive standpoint all the time but I, I rarely do, if ever, from a defensive standpoint. And when you get to thinking about it and you think, okay, Stephen Gilmore, Micah Abraham, Joshua Bowers, Andre Sam, Isaiah Norman, EJ Jackson, Jaco- Jacoby Henderson. How many guys did I rip off there? Six or seven? Six, I think. I mean, when, when does it end? So 
how deep do you have to go before you can find a true weak link, so true of a weak link that even the slightest bit of help isn't going to negate that weakness? Yeah. We start to get really, really far down the roster probably before that happens. And we're not being homers here and pumping up every single person just because they're in Kelly Green. If you look at the performance from last year, EJ Jackson, which, you know, was accidentally left off on your stats. <laughs> um, well, he I, didn't play at all in my book. <laughs> but you got EJ Jackson, Stephen Gilmore, and Micah Abraham, three of the top seven, maybe, tacklers. Uh, and that's usually from the safeties and cornerbacks and, and stuff like that. But they have a lot of pass breakups. They have a lot of disruption doing everything in the coverage that they're supposed to be doing and then you talk about bringing in isaiah norman andre sam and then recruiting wise bringing in jacoby henderson and oh by the way we got a couple of people that you had mentioned too joshua bowers you know that played last year that we're going to be able to have a nickel package to have what could be all five of them be starters on other teams in the Sun Belt. I mean, it's not unfair to say. I'm sure you could find a roster in the conference that all those guys you just listed would be a starter on. I'll take it a step further. I think that you could probably do four teams. The bottom four uh, defensive backfields in the Sun Belt, probably any of our top five could go there and start immediately. And that's That's, that's that's why we're third in the Sun Belt, right? Tied for first. Oh, I've totally misheard what you said. That's even three teams better. are three teams are tied for first. Okay, I, I thought that we were third out of those three. I, no. I misheard that. We are actually second out of those three. App State is first, and where we were thirty seventh nationally, they were thirty fifth nationally. So, yeah. the gap is minuscule at best. The gap is much larger on a national scale from Marshall to Louisiana than it is from App to Marshall. Well, that's what I misheard was I thought that we were all up there and then we had two of those three were ranked ahead of us nationally. No. I just misheard. No, we are all tied for first in the conference or in the uh, Sunbelt Conference. But look, my last strength for this group is I think all of them uh, top, at least the top seven guys just throwing that number out we've ripped off a lot of names here let's say at least the top seven eight guys the guys are going to get a lion's share of playing time barring any catastrophic you know change-ups or injuries or anything like that all of those guys have excellent ball skills and that's what you have to have as a corner or a safety yeah you need to be able to run yeah you need to be fluid and athletic but you have to have excellent ball skills you have to be able to track and have the pass breakups and grab the interceptions and all that kind of stuff and we have that. I feel like we have that. I know we're, it feels like we're, we're boasting on this group more than we should be. I just don't think that I am. I'm not blowing smoke here. I feel really good about where we are as a secondary. And I haven't felt that good about it. I haven't felt this good about it in a long time. We've had players and we've had a good unit. The safeties have been great, but the corners were like, okay, we'll see what we got here. Gilmore's good, but what do we got after that? You know, and now it's like two great corners to start. Um, a couple of other guys that will provide added depth. Two veteran safeties that 
we'll have to see how they play together and and um, that kind of chimes. But if you've got two lockdown corners, it allows so much flexibility for your safeties. It makes up for so much of that learning curve to where they can ease into the defense because you know that your cover corners are going to freaking cover. You know, that that's just such a huge blessing to have. So let's talk about weaknesses. Uh, do you have – what's your primary weakness or, or your first weakness uh, for the group? The fact that they have not played together as a unit because you've got a true freshman and two transfers coming in that are all going to be having significant playing time, at least in my opinion, taking up two starting positions. So playing together as a unit, it might take them a little time to gel, to learn you know, some of the, I'm not suggesting they won't know the playbook, but you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes yeah. as a unit, instead of five individual players, four individual players, knowing where your other person's going to be, being able to read uh, just because of familiarity, that sort of thing, that to me is my primary concern. How long will it take for them to play together as a unit? You know what? That was actually my first concern as well, and that was before you schooled me to the fact that we have a safety on the roster that was a big contributor last year because my first weakness was the unknowns at safety with those starters. Uh, I now feel pretty good that EJ Jackson could start out, run out there and be one of those starting safeties week one. Sure could, yeah. I mean <laughs> – I did. Uh, had I, I, I may not have penciled in, you know, Norman. I might have went with Sam since he's the all-conference performer from the Southland Conference and Jackson. If I'd, if I'd have noticed that stat line, but I did the height and weight, and for some other reason, just went straight on to the next uh, prospect or guy on the roster. And now I've like my my thought process has shifted a little bit. You know, maybe it's it's Sam and Jackson, and and now I feel way better about where we are potentially at starter in the safety position so you know i don't my primary weakness is now much much milder than it was before do you have another no not really i mean it would be a stretch a lot of the things that we have talked about uh kind of would fall into that playing together kind of deal or their transfers kind of unknown. Yeah. They performed over here at this level. Are they going to, is that going to transfer to the Sun Belt? It's still all the same. I wouldn't put that as a separate weakness. Well, I have one more and I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess, put a little bit of a asterisk beside it. Uh, the weakness is the production behind Gilmore and Abraham okay like just from the corner position uh, Joshua Bowers has some production and he's been involved in big plays for the herd and has provided some excellent coverage in situational football for a couple of years but behind the two all-conference corners you're looking at like a total of 25 tackles between two or three guys so there is some production there. We're talking about um, a lack of overall production and then potential. So that to me is the only 
is the only real weakness. We could be really high on some guys and come the first whistle of the season, it just never comes to fruition, you know. Uh, and then again, the first whistle could blow and you've got an all-conference performer right out of the gate. So we know what we have in, in Abraham. We know what we have in Gilmore. Those guys are known entities. After that, it's kind of, you got to show me. It's a little bit of, well, we need to wait and see a little bit and see how it goes. So that's really the only other thing. But, boy, what a great problem to have when you're lining up two all-conference corners as your starters. Uh, Russ, let's talk about some questions. Uh, who are you most excited to see from this overall unit in 2022? Man, I really hope I don't spoil the entire gimmick, but I am looking forward to Jacoby Henderson. Are you? Yep. Uh, motor is the number one thing that I think of with him, especially that play, you know, tracking the guy down, does not quit, that sort of thing. Got the tackle to save the touchdown in the spring game. I just am thinking that, you know, we talk about five foot ten, he's undersized compared to the rest of them, but obviously production on the field doesn't always go by height otherwise we'd have a bunch of six foot seven defensive backs yeah um i just feel like he brings the excitement level of what i love about football uh, you know if you have a shutdown corner and no one ever throws his way like when Deion sanders was so much of a shutdown corner that you know it was only thrown his way like three or four times there's not a lot to watch until he gets an interception or something. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not suggesting that everyone's going to pick on Jacoby Henderson and throw. I'm just saying that a can't quit motor is something that I really enjoy in a defensive backfield. And I feel like I'm going to get that. And it's going to be very exciting watching this freshman come in with a lot to prove. And I feel like he's going to do it. So I'm going to piggyback off of that. I will tell you this, that he is not my choice for who I'm most excited to see. So, But I want to build off of what you just said. Uh, I, I think that if you are blessed enough to have a skill set to be impactful, it says a lot about you that you go work even harder to hone that craft and become the best that you possibly can be. And I think most fans, the majority of fans, if not damn near every fan, just loves a guy that doesn't quit. I like that. I know I love that. We, I mean, I, if there's not an ounce of quit in you, more than likely I would pick you for my team over the guy that is blessed with more natural talent but doesn't give it his all all the time because that can kind of bleed into your locker room and then that brings up some other issues. But you can never go wrong with a guy that works his tail off and hones his craft and tries to get better every day, and then goes out and performs. So I can see ex exactly where that line of thinking is from you. Now, let me say this, and, and I'm, I'm fully aware that I may make some herd fans angry, and, and that's not what I'm trying to do, but I'm just trying to piggyback off of what you said a little bit ago about him being a little bit undersized-ish, 5'10". If he's 6'2", Marshall probably never has an opportunity to recruit him because of the skill set that we are seeing in spring ball and, and all the things that are coming out of the spring practice and, and all the ability, if he's three inches higher, he's on every single play of coach's radar, you know, and they're probably coming at him hard. So that, you know, and that's not a knock against Marshall. 
Marshall just potentially found a real true diamond in the rough. Uh, and it's exciting when you find those guys. So I love that pick. It's just not my pick. My pick is for who I'm most excited to see this year is Micah Abraham. And I talked about that a little bit before. I've liked him since he came on the field as a freshman. And he got my attention immediately in that bowl game. And I was just like, oh, all right. And I've followed the career a little bit closer than most other players that have had a – he hasn't really had an up-and-down career. But like I said, there was a season there where he was kind of buried in the depth chart. I know there, may be a, there may have been an injury involved there. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he just didn't play as much as he had. Like I think it was maybe 2019. I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, he's just always been a guy that I rooted for. And I'm really, really excited to see what he is as a starting corner that uh, has a lot of potential and is going to be playing across the field from another all-conference caliber um, corner. And I'm just really excited to see how his his season goes. Uh, Who do you think is the hardest to replace from the myriad of guys that were on the 2021 roster in the secondary? Uh. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the dude that got drafted, Nazi Johnson. <laughs> That's not a bad pick. <laughs> Would you care to expound on that, or are we just going to leave it at, well, he got drafted, so you do the math. All-time player. Um, yeah. I mean, crazy athletic. I just, uh, you know, the story, too, that we've touched on before, you know, so – kind of what he brings to the table as far as you know started as a walk on that sort of thing just by far to me replacing that guy I don't care about any kind of stats or anything you just tell me what I just said and I'll say yeah that's the guy that's gonna be hardest to replace (laughs) he is the guy that's hardest to replace and that is not a knock on any other guy that departed um Corey McCoy was a fabulous player for very one good year player in, in the herd brandon drayton was a fabulous player and you talk about a guy who overcame some real adversity brandon drayton was that guy and came back and went out with a bang what a great year he had last year but it's it is it's nazi johnson and what's not to love about the guy he is an all-timer a walk-on uh, a west virginia kid from martinsburg and then all he does is continue to play and work and work and perform and produce and he earns a starting spot and then he earns an all-conference honor, and then he becomes a Burlesworth nominee. I mean, you you got to love the guy. To go from walk-on to the NFL, what is not to love about that? I mean, that is a homegrown talent right there out of the state of West Virginia, Martinsburg, West Virginia. You got to love it. I mean, he is absolutely the hardest to replace. Uh, jumped on the scene for me back in that 75-week game against Western Kentucky when he had the pick six of Mike White as a true freshman. And I thought, oh, what a guy we've got. Why is everybody that jumps on my radar get a pick six? And then I'm like, hey, look at that guy. Like everybody else in the crowd missed it. And I'm like, oh, KD caught that. You know, nice, nice catch there on the uh, pick six. Nobody else caught that in the stadium. But, no, he's been, he's been a fun one to watch, and he's most definitely the, the hardest to replace. Uh, who's going to be your breakout player in 2022? Jacoby Henderson and it's uh you know part of this is it's going to be harder for Abraham and Gilmore to break out because of what they've already done so to me it's a couple of the guys that 
produced last year or played some last year versus the two transfers and the freshman. I'm going with Jacoby Henderson. I feel like as the season goes along, he'll really be getting a lot of the snaps, even as a true freshman. It's just one of those things. A lot of it came from watching the spring game. I know that you can get in trouble assuming everything's going to be like that. But like you said, he was going up against Gamage. He was going up against Brian Robinson. He was going up against the A-team, and he produced. So he's my pick. He's my pick as well. And for a lot of the reasons you just said, um, if you're an all-conference corner, you've already kind of broken out. Like, what yeah. more is there for you to do? And if you transfer in as an all-conference safety from your former conference, how are you going to break out? You've already done that. You just didn't do it in Kelly Green, right? So it's not a knock on these guys, but the guy with the most potential, I think, to break out this year is Jacoby Henderson. And I feel that way because I think he's going to get time at corner and safety. So he's going to just have opportunities to uh, really unleash his repertoire and, sh and showcase all of his skill set mm -hmm. in various capacities. So at the end of the season, you're going to be like, man, this guy can do it all. You know, and, and when he finally settles into potentially being a corner all the time or a safety all the time, uh, it, it'll kind of that'll kind of die down a little bit because you're you're just going to be playing one position. But this year, potentially where you're getting in where you fit in and you provide depth in a number of places, I just think he has an opportunity to potentially be uh not just a breakout performer but maybe a little bit more uh what do you who do you think is going to be the mvp of the unit at the end of the season i think stephen gilmore i feel like uh he's going to be one year more seasoned over micah, micah abraham but also have the um more of the shutdown lockdown type deal uh going up against the team's primary receiver that we're going to be playing if he produces like we think that he should i feel like he's going to by far be the the anchor of that group for me it's it's stephen gilmore as well right he got a lot of shine in the conference usa for a lot of the reasons that i said before but look this is a new year and the Sun Belt has a higher like respect level and and they put talent in the nfl at a greater clip than the Conference USA does, right? They just do. So it makes you think that the competition will go up a notch. Maybe not, uh, you know, there was some top-tier talent in Conference USA. I'm not, I'm not trying to drag them. I mean, Western Kentucky was so good last year through the air. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I mean, they were a cheat code. We all know that. Whether you hate Western Kentucky or you're okay with them, they were a freaking cheat code on offense, and they were just so deep and so good. Uh, but – as far as the conference as a whole goes, we really didn't see that. There were some teams, you know, UTSA was good. UAB was pretty good. Um, Charlotte had a couple of good wide receivers. But game in and game out, at least through the East Division and when facing Louisiana <laughs> and Notre Dame, <laughs> uh, Gilmore's going to be challenged, and he's going to be challenged a lot. So at the end of the season, he has the probably the greatest potential to make the biggest eyebrow-raising number of plays because of the sheer opportunity that he's going to have against number one wide receivers all year long. And let's face it, he's a Gilmore, and the Gilmore name at defensive back garners some respect at the next level. 
And, uh, you know, while you can't spend your life in the shadow of your brother, you have to be your own guy. And I think Steven has done that. He has really turned into his own guy. Uh, I, I always think it's unfair when media types are like Stephen Gilmore, comma, younger brother of Stefan Gilmore. Well, that's true. But why can't he just be Stephen Gilmore, defensive back at Marshall University? Right, because that's who he is. Sure. You can't be you can't be the next this. You have to be the first you. And he has done a great job of being the first Stephen Gilmore. So I think he will be the MVP of this group at the end of the season. Russ, give me a hot take as we close out this position group breakdown segment. You go first. I'm I'm still trying to get my hot. <laughs> My hot take has not been warmed up in the microwave yet. I might have to call Stone and see what. <laughs> okay, well, look, here's my, here's my hot take. I think the herd as a secondary, a complete unit, will have 15 impact plays and score collectively three touchdowns on the season. We had 10 interceptions as a unit last year. One of those was by a linebacker, and uh, I think – Five more, maybe four or five more have departed from the roster. So uh, there's a there's a big void left. There's a big number that has to be filled in it from the interception category. Forced fumbles and fumble recoveries a lot of times occur closer to the line of scrimmage. So those happen. We see that we saw that beat Appalachian State two years ago from the safety position. One aforementioned Brandon Drayton with the perfect placed peanut punch into the end zone, into the awaiting arms of Nazi Johnson. But it was just these impact plays are fleeting, and if you've got the right kind of guys, and if we think we get to take advantage of our um, lockdown, quote, unquote, corners, Abraham and Gilmore, we might have safeties that are afforded the luxury of punching at more balls because they don't have to focus as hard on picking up for downfalls and coverage. So, um and as an asterisk to that, let me give you a second hot take, hotter take, lukewarm take. Uh, Jacoby Henderson will make the all-freshman team as a, in the Sunbelt Conference this year. That's just a little bonus take. Now, I have properly turned the heat up for you. What do you have for me? I guess I'm going to go with what I was originally going to do, and I thought, no, that's not even a hot take. I was going to say that we have three all-conference um, players from the defensive backfield. Uh, now, whether or not that is first team, second team, whatever, I felt like, man, that's not even a hot take. But I don't know. I guess that's what I'm going to go with. Well, it just depends on how much talent is there across the board, right, And from the, from the rest of the conference. There are some great uh, corners and safeties, but Marshall already had two, you know, Gilmore and Abraham – made it a Conference USA last year, and the Conference USA boasted some pretty fine corners and safeties as well. Um, but that's a, fair, that's a fair take. There are a lot of question marks here. There, are, there is some chemistry that has to be um, worked on. There has some, there's some good unit gelling that has to happen. So it's, it's a fair point. But look, that is the end of the secondary position group breakdown. I don't know how you want to digest it, how you want to define it, uh, there are a lot of known entities, a lot of weapons, some big-time contributors returning, and a lot to be excited about as far as potential impact freshmen go. But, Russ, let's take it around the herd. All right. 
not a whole lot to go on, but let's start off with football and talk a little bit about two of our huge impact players. First, Rasheen Ali is a preseason Doak Walker watch list and Maxwell watch list. And Corey Gamage is on the Bolitnikov watch list. Yeah, it, it's always nice when these guys make, you know, watch lists. Um, I, I don't want to downplay it and, and be like the, the thunderstorm at the picnic, but it's almost like if you're a G5 player, getting nominated is basically as good as it's going to get for you. I mean, we see them every now and then make some waves, like Michael Gallup, I think a few years ago from Colorado State, won the Boletnikoff uh, the same year that uh, we played them in the New Mexico Bowl and ended up winning that game. Uh, but, you know, it's it's fleeting. G5 guys getting the nod in these major, major awards is just – it's it doesn't happen very often. So you have to play seemingly way above and beyond uh, your P5 counterparts to get taken seriously, and it's just flat unfair. But to get recognized, Rashin Ali is so deserved of getting all these accolades. I mean, he led the nation in, in uh, total touchdowns last year. That's got to put you on some radars. I'm so happy for the guy. Uh, and Corey Gamage, uh, potentially um, the Bolitnikoff committee sees what we see, that it's time for him to break out. It's time for him to be that legitimate um, foot-on-your-throat threat from the herd receiving core, that 1,000-yard receiver, that 10-touchdown receiver type guy it's uh but it's nice i like seeing our guys get that it, it was it's a little shocking that we haven't now they're not all out there are still more watch lists to come but there have been some others that came out that you know we didn't land anybody on which was a little unfortunate yeah i think the the deal with this is i don't expect either of these guys to win either of any of those for what you just said p5 bias uh who they play just who they play for that sort of thing but for them to be on there is always bringing shine to those individual players and our school as a whole so that's why i love it so much yeah from that standpoint it's phenomenal i mean yeah. anytime you see uh, you know marshall just just the word in a list of teams it's it's generally a good thing so i'm glad that we get to put out these graphics on social media and, you know, the Marshall, the, the herd FB football account is doing that stuff and herd zone. And it just helped. It gives me something else to retweet that I can get out to everybody else that may have missed it when Marshall tweeted it out. You know, that's just, I like that. Um, I've got one more football note for you that okay. has, has slipped through the cracks here just because it happened today. And that's uh, herd offensive lineman uh, Dalton Tucker hosted a skills camp. I saw for the, that for the youth in uh, Cerrito Canova. Yeah. Um, the second, at least that I that I can talk about camp in the area in the city in the you know Cerrito's not in Huntington but in the local community that's hosted by a herd player and there were several other players out there with Dalton doing this thing but this was his deal and I love this stuff man this is just something that we have not seen in this uh, capacity with this frequency, maybe ever, Russ. I mean, maybe ever. I'm, it, it's just, just great. I love how these guys are just continually getting involved in the community and providing opp opportunities for the kids to get out here and do something and just be out from in front of a freaking iPad or 
whatever, get out and sweat and, and get hot and learn some stuff and be surrounded by dudes of the stature of Dalton Tucker. I mean, how cool is that when you're like eight years old to so, look up and see this dude that's massive? He has actually been working with the middle school football team in his spare time this summer. Um, you know, they have a crazy schedule, as you know, to be able to say, hey, I've got some free time instead of going and doing this other stuff. He has been going down there. That's the sort of thing that is going to grow our fan base by everyone down there, the parents, the kids. It's also going to do a lot for for him. Perhaps that would put him uh, toward an inclination to go into coaching, you know, at the at when he's finished with his football playing career, whenever that might be. Yeah, it, that's I mean, he he put obviously enjoys coaching already. Yeah. And, and maybe that's, uh, you know, if the NFL doesn't come calling or some professional opportunity, there's a lot of leagues out there now. Um, you know, maybe you go that GA route and start, you know, in, in those ranks. Or if you want to go to the high school ranks, you go that route. But I just think this is great, man. I just think this is so cool. And, you know, Doug Chapman tweeted it out and I saw it and I, and I responded that, you know, these communities love Marshall and the herd loves them right back. And this is great. This is the kind of stuff. Actually, what I said was this is timeline cleansing at its finest because yeah. so much crap comes across my timeline that's negative or of a negative nature or just crap talking. And when you see stuff like this, it's like, ah, this is kind of what's good about these platforms. You, you see stuff like this from time to time, and it's just so cool. So I didn't mean to jump in with another football story, but what do you got? No, that was a good thing to jump in with because I had forgotten to put it on here, but definitely something that I saw. And to me, those are extremely important to talk about how our players are giving back. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I have for Around the Herd is women's basketball tweeted out this week that they are – out on the recruiting trail we have been talking about their shakeup of their team bringing in all the transfers uh the coaching staff how it has been shaken up and they're still out here recruiting 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 you just love to see it from tony kemper and his staff man i'm starting to i mean i i don't want to say i'm starting to but i'm i'm really um coming to appreciate the aggressiveness and and the uh, the work ethic that Tony Kemper is putting in between the end of the last season and the beginning of this one. I mean, it's it's apparent that it's like I want to make waves in the Sun Belt now. Yeah. Like I don't I want to come in and make waves. I want Marshall to be reckoned with now. So I can just I really appreciate that. Um, you know, women's basketball doesn't get a ton of shine. Uh, by you know the majority the lion's share of Marshall fans and hopefully that there will be some uh, marked success this year that pushes some fans eyes to open up a little bit and start to uh, start to appreciate what's going on what what uh, what they're doing maybe sell a few more tickets and get a few more butts in the seats and you know get the cam rocking on uh, a few more nights per week so pretty cool uh you got any parting words before we get out of here yeah so talking a little bit about our followership or listenership we have grown quite a bit over the past week as far as how many listens per 
episode that we've got. We've got a lot of people going back as our metrics are showing and listening, you know, episode one, two, three, four, five of season one and on and on. Uh, it looks like we've got some new people listening for the first time. So for all of you that are listening for the first time, if you are starting maybe at the newest ones to see what it's all about and then going back, we just want to welcome you. Thank you so much. Without you guys, we wouldn't have a show and we really enjoy doing this show. It's uh, something I look forward to every week. And I know KD is the same way and we just, welcome you to the show but we have so much more coming on yeah uh, i really fully appreciate everybody that takes the time an hour hour and a half sometimes two hours to listen to us talk about herd athletics and we really do enjoy it uh, we really enjoy the interaction that we get on social media hell i enjoy it when people ask us can you send me some stickers yeah. right because i want to put them on my cup or my cooler or my toolbox or whatever like hit us up we'll be glad to hook you up if you're local we'll Get them to you even quicker. Uh, you are going to want to continue to to follow or follow social media accounts and subscribe to the show if you haven't done that already. I don't know what you're waiting on, but please do that if you haven't because there's going to be a lot of opportunity for a lot of herd fans uh, to have an enhanced experience if you don't miss the details. Um, I will say a couple of other things. Number one, in this world we live in where things become ancient history 15 minutes after they occur, I'm going to remind you to do one thing in particular. Go to herdrises.com, if you haven't, and make a donation to the baseball stadium campaign. It's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about that, and I bet that's fallen off of the radar for a lot of people. In fact, some of you are probably like, oh, dang, I meant to do that. Thank you. So please go over to the herdrises dot com website make a donation and help fund the baseball stadium we know we all know it's going to happen but the more money we can raise the part that you can play will make us eh, have a nicer facility and uh soccer tickets season tickets are on sale season football tickets are on sale um lock them down get them right what are we waiting on um we we talked about last week i don't know if we talked about it on the show but i saw it Appalachian State sold out their allotment of season tickets, which, you know, you, you schooled me a little bit to why, you know, they have a marquee game on the schedule and that's driving a lot of their sales, but still it shows if they get a marquee game on the stadium or on the schedule, they're going to sell out their allotment of season tickets. So please buy your season football tickets. Uh, let's pack the Joan. Let's make it a, a hostile environment. Once again, so many of you uh, and myself included can think back to the nineties and the early 2000s where Marshall's home field advantage was just utterly dominant. Oh, yeah. And and we don't get back to that unless the house is packed, you know, unless we're loud at the right times to be loud or unless we're quiet when our guys are trying to get a, a critical play called. So buy your tickets, secure your seats, get your butt to the Joan. Do not miss the opener. Wink, wink. Do not miss the opener. Um Let's see. One more thing I wanted to say, but it is escaping me. Oh, join the big green. Join the big green. Five bucks, five bucks a month. Uh, just get it started. Whenever you want to up that, you can up it. Just get it started. Five bucks on an auto draft every month. You'll get your herd perks card. You'll make your money back in no time. And that is all I'm going to yammer on about imparting parting words. Russ, take us the heck out of here. 
whether you see us around Huntington, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the dot, whether you see us over at the big green office picking up our sign, which you should do and make a donation to the big green while you're there, wherever you're seeing us, we're going to be saying go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later.